Welcome to Elemental Talks, a podcast devoted to airing the voices at the forefront of innovative marketing, design and development. Every week we'll be exploring the best practices and hearing insight from the experts themselves on how to build better websites. Danny Weitzman is the co-founder and chief operations officer of Lucky Orange, a complete conversion optimization package which includes a real-time digital dashboard, dynamic heat maps, daily email insights and more. Lucky Orange was founded by Danny in 2013, together with his partner Brian Gruber, as a result of their need to better see how people interacted with the website they were creating for the clients. In this podcast, Danny explains what sets their product apart from Google Analytics, illustrates how this helps the product onboarding process, and shares his tips for scaling your business. Welcome to another episode of Elementor Talks and with me as always is Matan. Hi Matan. Hi Ben. And we're following up on our growth roundup with another interview, this time with the co-founder and COO of Lucky Orange, which is Danny Weissman. Danny, how are you? Hey everyone, thank you so much for having me and uh, shalom to everybody in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, welcome and let's kick off uh, things. I mean, we use Lucky Orange, which is uh, actually why, one of the reasons why we wanted to interview you. So tell our listeners uh, about it. Sure. Lucky Orange is uh, a suite of tools for website owners to really have better transparency into user interactions on the site. Oftentimes, people will say, well, what does Lucky Orange do, do tell us about the tools? And I really like to start with the problem that we have. Um, whether we're in-house marketers or designers or we're freelancers um, or we're starting up our own business, we often struggle with one of those very first hurdles, which is I've just launched my site and it looks great and I'm bringing some traffic to my site, maybe through some Google ads or some Facebook, and I'm now stuck because I'm not getting the sales I thought I would get. I'm not getting the signups and I just don't know where or why this is happening. So... We're often quick to make some you know text-based changes let me move some links around um, maybe asking our friends uh, what worked well what what didn't but reality is we need to have a better understanding as far as what our real users and customers are doing and that's what lucky orange really aims to do is kind of pull back that digital curtain and show you here's where visitors are struggling on your site And we do this in very visual ways, you know, where a lot of us are very visual learners and we don't have a lot of time to look at um, big analytics reports and Excels looking at kind of vanity metrics like time on site or bounce rate. But we want to see, we want to almost like watch a video of where people are dropping off or look at a form an- analytics report and see which fields of my form are causing the most abandonment or which ones need to be repeated a lot. We look at things like dynamic heat mapping to see on a page of our site, how do people even interact with it? Are they scrolling far enough down and are they seeing our call to action buttons? So again, we combine really a suite of tools, but the end goal is to provide very visual insights to make you more informed and you can make meaningful changes every single day with um, new interactions with visitors to your site. So this is not just a heat map tool. It, it's also a very visual way of showing your website's analytics. But in a world dominated by Google Analytics, what are you offering comparing to Google Analytics? Yeah, and, and that's such a really great question to focus on. And uh, I, I often, because I'm a father and I'm up spending half my nights telling stories to my children as I put them to bed, I like to think about... 
visitors to your site as telling a story. And to help aid in understanding that story, we utilize tools. And one of those tools might be Google Analytics. Another one of those tools to help tell the story might be Lucky Orange. Now, I think Google Analytics really focuses on the beginning of that user story and the end of that user story. The beginning of that story is how many people came to my site today? Where did they come from? And maybe how much time did they spend and how many of them bounced right away? And then the very end of that story is, okay, for the 100 people that came to my site, one and a half of them converted or two people converted and that's my conversion rate. But there's not a lot you can really do or actionable from that part of the story. Um, the real meat is everything in between. So where did I lose them on my side? Can I draw a conversion funnel or a pathway using Lucky Orange to figure out where they dropped off? When they viewed a product, did they uh, have friction as they added it to cart or was it on the billing page? So we really see us as complementary, but really aiding in that discovery for the middle part of that user journey, which is oftentimes where you have the most opportunity to improve your conversions by, again, understanding in that user flow where you're having the most frustration. Yeah, when we look at websites, they become very personal to us, and we have this certain sense of how people will naturally navigate and flow on our site. And those are assumptions that we make, but allowing tools like Lucky Orange to come in to visually show you and remove that uh, lack of understanding of how people flow, we can, again, make these meaningful changes to the site. So one of the things that uh, any software developer needs to, to know is, you know, the first steps of the tool. So what would you say, someone starting out with Lucky Orange, what are the lowest hanging fruits that they can start with that will show them the most uh, gains? Yeah, and I, I think this often goes back to is, the assumptions that we make, um, again, because uh, I always translate things back to things that are very personal to me, uh, when my kid brings home a piece of art that they made in school, in class, they're so excited and they can't wait to hang it up on the fridge and show everybody what it is. And I'm, I think it's the best looking thing. And then someone else comes and looks at it and they have no idea what my kid was trying to draw. And I think websites often almost act as that same way, that we're very proud of our websites and we can't wait to show them off and use them. But the reality is, is not everybody understands what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to use it. So when you first start interacting with Lucky Orange, the first thing you want to do is step back away from any assumptions that you have as far as saying, this is how people should use my website. Because how they should use your website is very different than how they're going to be using your website. That very first time you watch a recording of a visitor on your website using Lucky Orange, you almost want to reach through the screen and tell them that they're moving the mouse wrong because you think they're navigating the site the wrong way. But the reality is everybody, especially new visitors, has to orientate themselves to your site. And so by understanding and seeing how people orientate themselves to the site and then the natural flow that they use on the website is very insightful. Another way people often see this is even just with a very simple thing called a scroll map. And what a scroll map will do is on any page of your site, tell you how far down most people scroll until they get to what we call like a cutoff or an effective fold. This is oftentimes used by marketers when they're writing long page content 
or when we first launched maybe a sign-up page and we put a bunch of things like testimonials and client logos. And by the time we fill the page with all these things that we think are important for people to see before they sign up, majority of visitors don't even scroll that far down to see your call to action button or your sign up button. So these kind of visual insights really reinforce the message that we need to remove our assumptions and then operate only off of what people are actually doing on our site. Doesn't it mean that basically uh, what we've all thought that the Google search, um, search results page, the SERP, it's always about the first four, five results in the page, and you can forget about uh, browsing to the second page. So what can HitMap, can a HitMap uh, show us or provide us with new insights regarding this uh, obstacle of, uh, of reaching the first page? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a really great way to illustrate that point. There's a reason why a whole... SEO business exists and bidding wars exist because people know they need to be near the top. And it's a dog pile for eyeballs at top. And as you go further down in page, there's going to be drop off. So that's not to say that nobody does, but this is, you really do see this on your website too. And again, if we're building our sites with the um, assumption that I need to convince people to sign up by loading them again with either testimonials or a lot of pictures. The problem is our pages often suffer from bloat. And we often say one of the first things we advise people to do is put your website on a diet, skim some of that extra content, you know, and get things higher up and um, above that effective fold. Um, with mobile visitors, it's even more important to really streamline that mobile user experience. So yes, you absolutely see this. And that's one of the great thing about heat mapping, whether you're a marketer and you're sharing this in-house, is the ability to quickly generate a screenshot of this and share these in reports. So that way, as you're going in, either you're an agency and you're working with clients or you're trying to talk to another team member uh, to fully support everything you want to do, you have the data visualization that goes along with it. So it's you're not making these assumptions and you're not making personal preference. You have real user interaction to support the next steps you want to take as you continue to improve and optimize your site. In terms of those actions that we take as, as website owners, when do we translate, uh, let's say, let's say a behavior of staying above the fold, when do we translate it, it to, we need to entice the user to, to scroll down more or we need to actually cut down and shorten our, uh, the, the height of our site. Yeah. And that's really a case of understanding how your website is performing with your visitors and either how shallow of a conversion that's important to you, or really in some cases you really do need a lot of input from the visitor. So some people uh, are simply satisfying a conversion by just needing a, a name and an email address so they could be followed up with a free estimate or something. Uh, in other cases where you're maybe uh, a lending institution or you really do need a lot of information, there's a lot of click-throughs on the form. So it is important to look at things, and I think that's often where things like form analytics come in, where you get a better sense of understanding what's the flow of people on our form, what's the average order people fill out their form, are there certain fields that get repeated the most? Because our, our duty is really to make it as easy as possible for most. Now, I, I think that the dream of a 100% conversion rate is, is really um, almost mythical. But our, our duty is to learn from all 
to make it easy for most. And that's what these insights do, whether it's uh, a heat map and keeping content above the fold that's most important to you or a form analytics report that shows you those friction points. Learn from most to streamline it for the next set of visitors that come. Well, that really leads me to, to this question, which is one of the most one of the pro- biggest problems that marketers face, uh, especially when we're talking about the growth of a business, which is information and analytics uh, bloat, meaning that you have so many heat maps and user journeys that it's hard to manage uh, that data in order to optimize your actual business. So do you have kind of uh, uh, guidelines that you've learned along the way that, that you would advise your, your customers? Yes, and I think that that is something that comes a lot up and, and we proactively try to address that as we either advise or continue to improve what we offer. And that's really simplifying the ability to find insights from your data. So we don't want you to get stuck in data, but we want you to live in the insights. So sometimes it's just about a matter of how quickly we can help you find that needle in the haystack. So we don't want you to be overwhelmed by all this data, but we want you to get to those answers quickly. One of the ways we do that is by allowing you to create custom segments. So maybe today we're not going to focus on all of our traffic. We want to focus on just our visitors that came from a a certain media buy. So today we want to only look at how our users from Google PPC and compare those that converted versus those that didn't convert and begin to say, what can we do today, this week, this short period of time to better understand just our Google PPC traffic? And should we be sending them to dedicated landing pages? Should we um, opt out of a certain set of keywords? So I think to try to tackle conversion improvement as a whole, it is a nice goal, but really I think you want to ground it in what, what are those low hanging fruits that, again that we can do and just continue to make meaningful improvement. A website's almost like a, a living creation where as you learn from a set of users, you make a change, but that's going to introduce a whole new set of behaviors. So conversion optimization and using these sort of insights should really be like a steady beat of a drum and every, um, whether it's weekly, monthly, daily, whatever is the right cadence for your organization, that's how you should implement it. So again, I wouldn't tackle let's improve conversions, but you're going to ha- that's going to happen naturally by biting off just a little bit at a time and, and pairing it down to, you know, more meaningful and obtainable data. I have a question that is actually divides into two questions. First of all, who needs a heat map tool in 2019? And uh, who are you, your users? I mean, are there any people that you think they need to invest in heat map tool and they're still not your, uh, not your uh, typical users? Because you mentioned content people before, obviously different products and startups, but who else can utilize a heat map tool? So one of the things we've really noticed as people have adopted our software is that both in terms of the industry they operate in and even their title within an organization is very kind of far reaching. So we'll have people as, as, you know, starting up their first website on a platform like Shopify or big commerce, all the way to large Fortune 500 organizations, um, big brands, um, people that focus on sales versus lead gen. And it's a wide range. But to me, more importantly and more interesting than that are the titles of the people that come in. It could be 
I'm the sole owner of the business to I am a marketer to I am a designer to I'm in um, the technology security. So when we talk about, okay, who wants to use a heat map and who's not using heat map, I often look at understanding user journey and experience as a puzzle that needs to be put together. And heat mapping certainly is one piece of that puzzle. And if you only use heat mapping, you're gonna get really good feedback and guidance. But when you start to add in more pieces of that puzzle, maybe it's adding it with visitor recordings, maybe it's adding it with form analytics, uh, maybe it's through getting user feedback through surveys or polls or even chat on your site. These are all more pieces of the puzzle that will give you a clearer picture as far as what's going on. And it's not uncommon at all that somebody within an organization will say, hey, our marketing team is interested in using Lucky Orange because we want to look at heat maps for this reason. And then we'll talk to them about, okay, uh, have you ever thought about using surveys or polls to get these sorts of insights? And they would say, oh, we didn't think about that, but you know what? Somebody on our web development team does want to implement that. So it, it's, it's something that we take a lot of pride in, which is when we onboard users, that we are very dedicated to cross-team training because it's very important that you have many eyes looking at this sort of insights. Because when I look at a heat map or a visitor recording, the direction I might get and want to run with could be a little bit different than what somebody from a different team wants to learn and gain from it. And by having this cross-team dialogue allows us to get in alignment with the goals and the directions and how we can all really become stakeholders in the decision-making process. Let's switch to your position. You're the founder, but you're also chief operations officer. What, uh, what do you do in this, uh, under this uh, title? What does the chief operations officer do? You could probably ask 10 chief operation officers and you'll get 13 answers uh, about what they do. Now, it, it, I really see my role as allowing everybody in our organization to be successful. And daily that can change, but it could be anything from providing training and, and help and support. And a lot of times it's getting the hell out of their way, just to allow them to be successful and um, just providing the facilities that they understand how their role fits into the organization, that they continue to feel valued in what they do in the work that they're providing. And then also making sure that we have a lot of different touch points. Those touch points could be across teams, so that way every team member knows what's going on. It could be with our users. And then making sure we have advocates. So who's advocating for our customer? Who continues to give feedback that says this is what our customers? How do we incorporate that feedback into product development? How do we think about our customer's customer and what we're doing? So my goal is really to continue to help facilitate and making sure those dialogues continue to happen. And then together with um, other team members, set the uh, long-term vision and strategy for our organization uh, that allows us to, to continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. We recently spoke to Michael Saka from Dribble, and he told us about the way his company Dribble progressed. And there from day one, they were all remote. They don't have an office. How does it work in Lucky Orange, at Lucky Orange? We uh, have been fortunate enough to build a team all here, essentially located in Kansas City. So uh, effectively Overland Park, Kansas, but we are all located here in Kansas City. And this has provided uh, a very unique opportunity. I think in some cases people could see that to be a challenge, but we've always very much welcomed what this has allowed us to do. So because we are in really landlocked, really in the, in the Midwest, 
on one hand, you could say, well, you maybe there isn't as much readily available uh, talent like you would see on the coast. And, and to that, I'd say not necessarily true. We, the lot of benefits is we don't get stuck in this kind of technology hype where we're, we're chasing the wrong metrics and we're just quickly hiring for hiring's sake. But in reality is we can build a business around very talented, very capable people. So when we look at bringing on new team members, we really look at things like their character. We look at their attitude and talent. So th- sometimes it means we find people in related fields and other times it means they've been completely in a different environment at all. We've had team members that have worked stock setting up floors people. We've had people who are worked for Disney, different marketing backgrounds in, in healthcare. So you don't need a software background to be successful in, in our organization. But a- again, what we really look at is the character of the individual, their attitude and their willingness to be part of this Um, lucky orange family that we have here and and you really see it resonate every day so um, I think being here and growing it while I know a lot of people can make remote work uh, I think we really just benefit from having this energy and vibe that we have uh, of being together. I have to say that I totally relate the one-on-one connection is something that we feel and appreciate also as as a team at Elementor so yeah I'm, I'm all with you on that one. So let's go to our round of questions regarding growth. What was the number one factor for the growth of Lucky Orange? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. And my perspective on that will, will certainly change. So uh, at least for today, I would say one of our number one factors for growth has always been and will always be identifying and reducing friction for adoption. And so that is we want to make it as easily and a no-brainer to Uh, adopt Lucky Orange within your organization. Now, we have to realize that that organization could be a single person who's just trying to start out on the weekends to we have to go through seven different decision makers within a large company. But the first is we want to identify, reduce friction for adoption. So that could have to do with the education. So how do we quickly relay the values of Lucky Orange? It could have to do with our price. Is our price obtainable? How do we compare versus our competitors? Are we ignoring a huge market because we're trying to be very enterprise focused only? Or can we have a product that can be scalable for both and provide value? How difficult is it to implement? You know, even if the price is good, is it very challenging to get installed or can you get up and running in five minutes? And for this, we look at things like, can we help you with the installation? Can we adopt third-party partnerships that allow the code to be installed for you? And then the most important thing, and I think this is something often people then forget, is how quickly can you see value? So you've taken the time to get educated and you've signed up and you put the code But if it's going to take a long time for the end user to understand, well, why did I go through this? Why am I putting this? Why am I continuing to spend time when I could be on my floor selling bikes or working with other departments, utilizing these data and insights? We need to help you see value quickly. And that's our continue to charge is to simplify this discovery process so you understand the ultimate value of what you're doing. I love the fact that uh, your mission statement is across your your, uh, business and it leads your uh, differentiation and positioning. Yeah, absolutely. So our second question is, what challenges did you face and what did you learn from overcoming them? 
I would say looking at that, one challenge we always have is, and this this is almost like a, a blessing in the form of a challenge, is that because we've been fortunate enough to be a bootstrapped organization, we haven't taken funding, we very much covet every dollar we spend. Oftentimes this means we might move a little slowly when we're looking at things like marketing channels and you know how much money we might spend in certain areas because we're not going to just go throw money around because we have accountability to our customers. We have accountability to our team members to make sure we have a viable growing business. So we, we look at things like that. So what we've done is we've learned on third parties to help out. You know, we work with great companies like you guys and Elementor to help continue to, um, you know, grow our business and work closely with people. So we look at ways, how can we reduce our customer acquisition costs? And that's been really Good for us. But I would say the challenge side of that is because we spend often a little time looking at different opportunities um, and then even think, well, can we do it ourselves? This can take us away from our North Star. And so that, that can be a delay, which we ultimately decide, you know what, let's bring in an expert to help us out or let's work with a third party company because it's not in our core competency. So let's either, again, hire somebody who is an expert in this field and they can help guide us in this practice or work with somebody. So I think that's kind of that del delicate balance of one, wanting to be a kind of nimble organization that can take on a lot, but at the same time realize sometimes it's okay to let go and allow other people to come in and help. Well, that's great. And you actually answered also our third question, but maybe we can bring it down to more actionable uh, tips. So what are your top three tips for someone that is looking to grow their business, but uh, they, you know, with a limited budget? Yeah, I think the, the, the easiest thing, which fortunately is the freest thing to do. So people always say, well, what, what are three great tips to do? Take out a Super Bowl ad. Not everybody's going to do that. So the very first thing I would say is the freest thing, which is just listen. Listen to your customers. Listen to your people that are just signed up. Listen to the people that have just canceled. They're all going to give you tips and, and feedback as far as how to continue to improve. It might be how do we improve our dialogue with our users? Do we need to communicate with them in a more effective way? Um, do we need to provide more training? They're going to also give you really good guidance as far as how should the product continue to develop. Some of our best features are because our customers said something like, we really like it, but, but we wish it did this, or but it, if only it did this, we could use it wider in our organization. And that's the type of free information that can help keep you on point. Another thing is what we always say is make friends. You're going to go a lot farther as an organization when you're finding other organizations to work with. I think today is a, a perfect great example of here's two companies that work together that have very complementary products and services and clearly an overlap in user base. So it makes sense when you can share tips and wisdom. And it's not just that you provide a great product and service and so do we, but by introducing each you know, each other to each other's market, what you do is you become, you add an element of trust and thought leadership that, you know, I'm not just working with somebody because of the technology they provide. On top of that, they're also introducing me to new technology that I may not be aware of. And finally, the third thing, which has been very key to us, which is, again, goes back to hiring the right people. And that's knowing that a huge chunk of your day is with the people that you surround yourselves in. So you have to make sure that you really take the time to vet, are these people interested in writing? Can we provide what they are looking for? So we always look at hiring as um, kind of mutual interviewing. We want to make sure that the 
candidate is the right person for our organization, but we also need to be the right organization for that candidate. So that way, when we bring someone in, we know that there's the work they can do, that they can be successful, and that we can guide them to find value in the work they do. At the same time, we got to have some fun too. So providing some breaks in the day and throughout the week, because um, it, like I said, the, it, it, while we are at work, we should value and enjoy what we do and around the people we do it with. So I think it's, it's our duty to kind of create a nice environment for people to feel good about all those factors. That was great. Yeah. That was very insightful. Those three tips. It's, uh... Well, Dan, it's been great talking to you. Uh, how can people reach you and uh, start using Lucky Orange and, and follow you? Absolutely. We have uh, a Lucky Orange Twitter that we use, at Lucky Orange. Uh, we have a Facebook. One of the best ways we say reach us is we have a phone number. It's 913-735-9032. That's an American phone number. You can reach us between 9 to 5 Central Time. We have chat on our website. We One of the things we love doing is for everybody that signs up for Lucky Orange, even before you decide to pay or not, you get a free 15-minute call that we're going to help onboard you and making sure you use the tool. So again, I talked about this earlier, but communication is a huge part of this. So we want you to feel good when you decide to try a technology like ours. You need to feel educated. And so we want to be a partner in that with you. Another thing we want to do for your audience is uh, our typical trial is seven days, but for anybody that uh, references that they heard this podcast, we're going to give them a 30-day free trial, no credit card required, because we want to make sure you have the time to view the data, insights, feel good about the tool, and that's a, a special thank you we want to do for anybody that might still be listening at this point. That's great. By the way, have you read the book Delivering Happiness? Because it sounds like, I mean, the phone call, it, it, you know, the Zappos story. Yeah, it, it's very much in line with that model. I, I, I think, especially whether it's a very small organization or, or bigger, that challenge is, is having the right touch point at the right time. And you don't always know when that's going to be, but allowing the user to instantly click on a link and say, I want to book this time slot, and then just being there and having a real human conversation is very key. This is actually a first time that I hear that uh, during our podcast uh, because it sounds like you're incorporating offline strategy or uh, to, to support uh, new uh, customers' retention. That's, that's very interesting because usually you know what they would do is uh, in the days of offline, they would just send you to an email or to a chat to support that. But what you do is exactly the opposite. You're selling... Uh, SaaS, a software as a service, and you're using an offline strategy to help you acquire more customers. And that, I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's like that old, um, you used to walk into a store and know who the store owner was and shake their hand and do business. And while we can't do that to scale with everybody, we, we still want to be able to have that personal interaction. And for everybody, that's going to look and feel differently. So whether you like email, we're going to email you. If you want to have a chat, we can chat and you want to hop on a call, we can't wait to talk with you. That's, that's amazing. And Danny, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I, I love really the fact that you're a great uh, storyteller and you, you walk the walk as, as they speak. Let's do a lot of uh, more collaborations in the future. And, uh, and yeah, and um, we'll keep using that lucky orange. Hope we get lucky. <laughs> Sounds great, gentlemen. Really appreciate your time. And, and uh, sincerely, I want to take a moment to thank you both for this opportunity. We, we certainly sincerely appreciate it. Thank you, Danny. Thanks. 